Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. My name is Spencer Lohman, and I serve as the pastor of vision and teaching at United City Greensboro. Uh, You can actually visit unitedcitygso.com to learn more about our community and what we are up to here in the heart of Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, Rhythms is just a podcast and conversation around spiritual disciplines and practices that anchor us in the way of Jesus in the middle of the tumult and the crashing waves of the modern world, really, especially with the rise of COVID-19. And it's our vision to have conversations that are practical and can lead to new implementation and new habits in your life that will orient you in the way of Jesus towards what Scott McKnight, who the New Testament scholar, calls Christoformity or Christ-likeness or holiness. And so that's our hope. That's not our desire. And we just really hope you love the content that we're producing. Would you give us a thoughtful five-star review? Could you do that? right now just give us a review uh, uh, and subscribe and follow and send to a friend or share with a family member it would mean the world to us today's episode is a conversation with a dear friend of jordan and i's as well as a ministry partner someone who's been on our team for a long time and is now leading their own ministry that we are so excited about and champion pastor nikki taylor leads the yellow door house here in Greensboro and the urban core in the Glenwood neighborhood. And she's going to have a conversation with me about the practice and rhythm of hospitality, which I think is a forgotten practice, especially in a polarized and tribal world that we live in. So um, I hope that you really listen in and tune into this episode with Pastor Nikki Taylor on the rhythm and practice of hospitality. Enjoy. Well, Nikki, I am so pumped and excited to have you on today to the Rhythms Podcast. Um, First of all, welcome. We're glad to have you. Thank Um, you. You guys who uh, are listening, I want you to know that Nikki and Mike, both her and her husband and her family really, um, are some of our closest friends in ministry and have been here in Greensboro with us uh, in the throes of missional work um, since 2016 at this point, which is kind of wild to say, five years um, we've been journeying together. And I'm really pumped to have Nikki on the episode today. So Nikki, first of all, just welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. It is crazy that it's been five years. Five, man. Um, We've aged well. Let's be honest. We've aged well. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, yes, we're excited to be here. Um, I'm excited to be having this conversation because I think it's an important one. And you got my my brain going in all different directions this week with your questions. So it'll be good. That's, that's really my goal. I want to get the people who I'm talking to going more than anything. So um, our goal today on this episode is going to be talking about the rhythm and practice of hospitality. Um, and I think there's no better person that I could think of that I'm in close proximity to that values hospitality, but also as a practitioner. You know, it's one thing to have people who talk a lot about practices, <laughs> 
But then in terms of actually practicing those right. values out, um, sometimes it maybe isn't as present, but Nikki is someone who I think can really speak into hospitality. So um, Nikki actually leads an organization and ministry here in our city called the Yellow Door House. And I'm just going to kind of read you guys the vision and mission of the Yellow Door House. And I'm going to let Nikki just go on a rant about God's vision for the Yellow Door House and YDH and all that fun jazz. So um, the Yellow Door House, in partnership with our community, seeks to be a catalyst for Jesus-centered development in the areas of education, healthy living, economic opportunities, and spiritual formation. Some incredible language, by the way, Nick. I love that. Very specific, clarifying mission for what you guys are about. So can you just tell us, what all, what all does that mean? Tell us about the Yellow Door House. Yeah, so for the Yellow Door House, we really, when it comes down to the nitty gritty of what we want to do, we want to live out the Great Commission um, and we want to love people, mm. right? Mm. And we believe that that's best done for us in our community through incarnational living, um, through presence. We practice presence every single day um, in our community. And we believe that the ways in which we practice that presence is important. So um, we recognize that not everyone comes to the gospel in the same ways as others. And so ours is a little untraditional um, we want to be where people are most comfortable, where they're most open to new relationships, building friendships, doing life together. And we believe that that's in community with your very own neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we are in Glenwood, right across the street from UNCG, um, practicing those beliefs and trying to live them out the best way that we can. Um We also want to see development happen in our community. Um, We want to see people not just surviving, but thriving, because I think they're perfectly capable of doing those things. And we don't aspire to some, you know, form of greatness, but we do aspire for everyone to have the opportunities um, that they need in which to live their lives um, in such a way that's empowering to them and is honoring to how they were created in the image of God. Mm, so good. And um, yeah, I have a lot of questions. I'd love to just <laughs> go, <laughs> go down uh, off of that. Um, one of those is, um, tell us about Glenwood. Obviously, you know, Glenwood is probably one of the most unique, eclectic, diverse neighborhoods in our city. Um, and I've spent some time in Glenwood, but why don't you just, you're, you're, you're like, you live there now you're local, like you are part of the Glenwood community. So tell us about the neighborhood that you're doing incarnational ministry, which really just means to enflesh the the gospel, the kingdom in Glenwood. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So Glenwood is a super unique place. We're very, very diverse. Um, There's so many languages um, and ethnicities that join together in this kind of one square mile area right in the heart of Greensboro. Um, it's a place where people want to see other people succeed. We have so many people who are just driving towards um others being fruitful and being able to have their needs met. It's really just a cool place to do ministry in that 
um, while we all come at it from our own unique perspective, there is this feeling that we are really all here to communally see each other succeed. And I think that's a very um, fruitful place to do ministry from, to have others that are on um, a similar mission, whether they come to it from the gospel and from the, you know, from where we're coming from in terms of Christianity, right. they come at it from a different angle. Um, it creates space for just energizing conversations and ways to learn and do things um, that's exciting. Um, it's also a place where, you know, there is, we do live in a food desert. Um, we do have a affording, affordable housing crisis. Those things are happening and they are real um, and we need to address them as best that we can. And I think that's part of loving our neighbors um, is trying to address some of those systemic issues that our neighborhood faces as a whole, um, just based on those of us who live here. Mm. I know anytime I talk to someone who lives in Glenwood, there is really that sense of communal identity that you're like, I'm a part of Glenwood. Like yeah. that's my neighborhood, you know, um, plenty of people live in other neighborhoods that don't have that same kind of like social capital. But if you live in Glenwood, it's like, we're a family because we live here. What's so unique about it, what I f- have sensed is just the, the degrees of thought that just span a very wide spectrum uh, in that square mile. You kind of get everything right there in that neighborhood. And so um, for those of you who don't know, Nikki um, served on staff with us at United City for a few years. And then we kind of launched them off into this ministry endeavor and this vision um, into this house in the center of this neighborhood, literally like the heart of Glenwood, we had the opportunity to um, purchase this ministry house to utilize for incarnational ministry. And it had this massive yellow door that was on it. And we're like, you know, how can we just build off of this identity that's already present? So Nikki and Mike have really run with that and are doing some really, really beautiful things um, through the yellow door house in the Glenwood neighborhood. And I'm just going to tell you guys who are listening, you need to go to yellowdoorhouse.org right now you need to scroll down to the bottom where it says donate today and you need to sow a seed into the yellow door house ministry and watch it multiply and um, i'm just really pumped for you guys in terms of what incarnational living looks like intentionally moving into a neighborhood and um, that really leads us into our conversation today around hospitality um, one of the things that you'll notice if you go to the Yellow Door House's website is they kind of have three marks or, or values that orient them. Um, dignity, truth, and hospitality is one of those. So we're just going to dive right in with questions for Nikki today and talking about the rhythm of hospitality. First and foremost, Nick, let's just start by asking you a very simple question. What is hospitality? When you think of hospitality like, are we talking about a hotel? Are we talking about a business, you know, like restaurant? Like, what is hospitality? Yeah, so I think um, if you had asked me probably even five years ago what hospitality meant, like, my answer would be a little bit different from today. Um, but I think, you know, as a Southerner, as a woman, like, my idea of hospitality was kind of rooted in this, um, I don't know, like, Sweet tea and biscuits, right? Sweet tea right, and biscuits. Right, right, right. Like, having people over for like afternoon tea or like, I mean, if you ask my grandmother, it's like a five-course dinner. 
you know, like everybody had to be dressed a certain way and we had to, you know, we were going to eat certain things and we we're, you know, it's all very proper and very, um, like we're presenting something to other people to make them feel comfortable in our home. And <laughs> there's, there's space for that type of hospitality. But for us, when we say hospitality, we really mean a more um, biblical view of hospitality. Um, I was going back, you know, when we first um, thought about the idea of the yellow door house and this being one of our foundational pieces. And I just did a deep dive into it. Um, biblically was reading books. And so I was going back and looking at my notes from that time and was reminded of um, the New Testament uses the word hospitality, right? We see it um, in Hebrews 13, but what does that hospitality mean? And it comes from the Greek word for hospitality and I will murder this. So don't judge me, but phylloxenia, mm, yeah. <laughs> which is a compound for love and strangers. Yes. Okay. So we have to understand that um, there is space for hospitality with people that we know and are in relationship with. And we'll talk a little bit about that probably later as well. But for us, when we use the word hospitality, we're really talking about the love of strangers. We're talking about the idea of connecting the Great Commission to hospitality. We believe that those two things go hand in hand. Um, and so, yeah, that's really where we're coming from with that. That's so good. It's so funny that you mentioned that that Greek word because I, as as I was preparing for our time together, I, I did a little word study and saw that same Greek word. Yeah. And for a lot of us, we may even be triggered to think about like phileo or Philadelphia, even which is the city of brotherly love. And phileo right. is this brotherly friend, you know, in close proximity type of love. Uh, connected with the stranger. So being a friend of strangers or to love yeah. a stranger. I love that. It's so, so good. Um, you know, obviously we do live in the, in the South and <laughs> there tends to, be, I'm going off on a rant right now, so um, bear with me, but there seems to be this mantra of, you know, Southern hospitality, mm -hmm. which if you talk to Southerners, they might would say, absolutely. But when you talk to people who aren't from here, who move in from other places, I have heard a very, a varied uh, response to that mantra in terms of the culture. It's almost like a, it's a veneer versus something that is practiced. And I think that's what we're getting to. We're getting to something that is not just a value on a website, but it's actually lived out and practiced. It's not just a, a cultural statement, but it's a actual culture. And right. so um, can you just dive into, um, you know, maybe some of the, ways in which we see the person of Jesus practice being a friend of strangers or to love strangers? Yeah. So Jesus, um, in terms of hospitality, at first glance, seems like an interesting study because he's nomadic. Mm -hmm. um, so he doesn't have a place to call home. Right. Um, which is important, of course, to who Jesus is. Um, he doesn't have a necessary rootedness into this world because he's uh, he's larger than that. So that's an important part. So I think when we look at him, he embodies this idea of pressing very hard at any kind of 
structure that we have around the idea of hospitality and pushes us past that, right? Mm -hmm. um, as a friend of mine would say, he pushes us over the wall that mm -hmm. we've constructed to say, this is what hospitality means. Um, it's very radical. It's probably considered a little bit reckless, right? In some of the best ways. Um, but I think the way that he does it is he focuses on presence, right? Um, and he builds space. And in that space, he um, invites people to join him. He invites people to share the space that he's in. He invites them to eat with him, which are you know, some of the more conventional ways. But he also does things like offers rest in the midst of crazy storms. He offers um, living water, right? There's some of the more larger things that he offers that are very hospitable. Um, they're very rooted in who he is specifically. So I think, you know, if I think about the woman at the well, that to us wouldn't seem like a hospitable interaction, right? Because he's going to her, she's staying at the well, he's entering into her space. Um, she's not coming to his, but I think because hospitality is not just about a space that we're in, but is about our actual character, the mm. root of who we are, we can be hospitable people out in the world, mm. um, not just in our homes, right? And so that's mm. really what he's showing us there, entering into her space, being respectful, um, having an empowering conversation that then shows her the truth of who he is and what he offers and inspires her to go and share that with others is really the root of what a hospitable Jesus looks like. Mm. I love the line about how hospitality isn't just about space, but it's about character mm -hmm. and about the disposition of our heart or the posture of our heart. And, and you even said, you know, making space. So I, you know, I would even argue that a person can't be hospitable that doesn't allow for some sort of interruptions uh, or interruption or doesn't allow for margin. Um, so that even goes back to other practices of slowing down and, you know, yep. um, creating margins so that we can be hospitable to, you know, strangers that we come across in our midst. Um, sure. And, you know, every encounter Jesus has with, um, you know, someone who is sick or who is marginalized or who is forgotten, he seems to always move towards those individuals. And even the fact that he connects with Zacchaeus and then he goes and has a meal at Zacchaeus's house, I think shows even his hospitality because he's being invited over to, well, he kind of tells Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house, but Zacchaeus is like waiting for that moment, you know, um, is something that's so key. Talk a little bit about, um, well, obviously margin and time. You got to create space for this. But talk about the, the role of the dinner table. Now, obviously, we're in COVID, so it, it's a whole different world. I get that right now. But talk about the importance of a meal together with right. a stranger. I, no, absolutely. I think the beautiful thing about hospitality at a dinner table is um, sometimes as Christians, um, we struggle a little bit to kind of step out of the idea of um, 
there's somebody in need, we need to do something for them, we need to fix their problem, we're going to help them. And right. it sets up this really kind of unhealthy dynamic. Sometimes, right. right. We don't mean to. Um, and there are absolutely times where we need to address those who are um, in need or being oppressed in our midst. So don't take it to say that that's not important as well. But we need to create space um, in our lives and in our homes that is space for the person who's going through whatever to have a seat at the table that is equitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like you might invite somebody over, but I would highly encourage you to ask them to bring a dish, mm-hmm. ask them to, you know, bring dessert or whatever, right? Because at, when we're at the dinner table, it's not about me being a savior and you being someone in need or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we want to create a space that's um, comfortable, that feels empowering, that feels safe so that you can um, share your story, share the gospel, share what Jesus has done in your life. Um, and they can feel free to do the same. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that's unique about the table is because we're all there for the same reason, because we're hungry. Mm. Now, we might be hungry for different things. Right, right. right. But we're all there because we're hungry. And we all have a need that's being met by being at that table. And so there's a very evening out of um, who sits down at that table and during that time that we're together. And I just think it's one of the spaces where the Holy Spirit can just do crazy things um, because of that. Yeah. And honestly, you know, you're talking a little bit about the idea of um, contributing. You know, you just said, hey, why don't you ask someone if they're coming over, have them bring a dish, you know, contribute. Because at the end of the day, humanity is wired to uh, have the desire to contribute Mm -hmm. or to have a sort of purpose. So it's not just communion with, it's actually contributing as well. And um, every time Jesus has a hospitable encounter, he always kind of empowers them after that encounter to go contribute right. into the mission somehow, some way. I mean, the woman in the well then becomes an evangelist to her whole community. Yeah. So she's now contributing. Um, and all that is catalyzed through this hospitable posture um, where Jesus allows for interruptions to take place. Um, so some, some people, you know, might be listening and they're like, well, you know, my friends come over. All right. the time, you know, I'm, I'm hospitable. You know, we cook meals at our house. Can, can you talk a little bit about just the difference between like having the same three people over to your house sure. in terms of hospitality and actually like opening right. the door up to new people? Right. So, yeah, there's and there's so much actually about hospitality in the New Testament in particular, but even in the Old Testament, um, which you can go through. But John in his epistles goes through um, and he talks a lot about hospitality between believers. Um, And I think that there are good and great things that happen in that space. I would encourage people who are in that space to become more intentional in that space. So that should be what we would call like a restful hospitality, a hospitality that encourages, that empowers, that pushes, maybe brings the role of accountability. but it's with other believers that you know and you have in your home and you have relationship with. And that's awesome. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also encourage you to push past that a little bit. And that's when we get into a space where John Piper calls it strategic hospitality. 
and I think that's a pretty good term for it. Um, and it's one where you are intentionally building relationships with people that you do not know um, to share your life. And when you share your life, you should then be sharing the gospel because we are um, the embodiment of the Holy Spirit here on earth. And so as we build those relationships and as we get to know them and sharing life with them, we want to be sharing the gospel with them as well. Um, so that's just a little bit another step further right and that's what we see in hebrews 13 when they say let brotherly love continue do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers um that's where we're talking the step beyond some of those intimate relationships that we have with believers and i think it's really important um because ultimately we are in what a lot would consider in my neighborhood in particular, a post-Christian society. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're not going to be standing out here on the on the street, you know, on the corner with a megaphone shouting Jesus saves and any other sorts of things. Like that type of evangelism um, is not as impactful as perhaps it once was. And let's be and honest, the, just, just the sound quality of a megaphone is just horrible. Like if you're right. going to speak, at I, least get I some mean, I would clear sound. As well, and I might be in agreement with what they're saying. So, you know, but really like it's, it's where we want to um, not just, it's, it's the heart of the gospel. It's where we don't want to just shove our beliefs and our thoughts and our opinions on someone. It's about the heart of a Christian life. We want them to view that so that when they encounter Jesus, they know that a post-Jesus life, a life that has decided to be on mission for him and in relationship with him is something that's, um, that we would choose, that we would want. It, it, it looks inviting, it looks comforting, it looks warm and joyous. And those are things that we can present through hospitality that steps outside of our comfort zone and introduces us to new people in new places with um, all different types of backgrounds. That's really, really good, Nick. Um, it makes me think of, I was looking up today, um, Rosaria Butterfield, who's a former English professor and academic at Syracuse University and um, was not following Jesus at all. Um, I think maybe was agnostic or atheist or something. And through the hospitality of a Christian family, uh, ended up just kind of having a radical encounter with Jesus and began following the way. And she has written a book that is, I have not read, but I've heard incredible things about it. It's called The Gospel yes, Comes with a House Key. Yeah, so Nick's actually read it. And um, I saw a quote from it I thought was just so good where she says, um, those who live out what she calls radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. I thought that was so, so good. And um, there's a little, sh you know, shameless plug for that book there by Rosaria Butterfield. Um, so Nikki, if you could give us just a final kind of thought in terms of a practical next step in terms of how to practice hospitality, especially knowing when we're talking about strangers, we're not just talking about people we don't know. We live in a polarized 
tribal world in the West where we tend to live our lives in a monocultural and monolithic environment where everyone thinks the same things we do. They post the same things on Facebook we do. <laughs> they, they vote the same way we do. They think about the world the same way we do. What would be a practical next step to move past? Because we obviously know Jesus interacts with all kinds of people. Um, what would be a practical next step for us to begin to actually build in a rhythm of hospitality? Yeah, I think one of the most practical things that you can do, um, figure out, so everyone's comfort zone is going to look different, right? Like I'm a not an extreme introvert, but I am certainly introverted. Um, and so my comfort zone is going to look different than the extrovert. And that's okay. But one of the things that Rosario Betterfield also says in her book, which, yeah, shameless book, you should totally read it, um, is that just no matter what our personality, we are still called to do this. Yes. So, like, I don't, you know, whatever your Enneagram is, you Let's still just wipe right. that clean. Forget That's the Enneagram right. number. That's right. We're still, <laughs> like, we're still called to do this. So, just step past that. But knowing that your comfort zone may be, look different. But I would really encourage you to start exactly where you are. Um, and it might be at work or it might be in your, in your own neighborhood, whichever one you're comfortable with, but let's invite the person that you haven't had a lot of interaction with, you know, if it's at work, maybe you invite them to lunch and, you know, maybe that's socially distanced in the conference room and you're bringing your own lunch, like right. whatever, right. It's moving past just the smile and the good morning that we say to our neighbors or the, Hey, how are you? You know, from across the driveway, and into an intentional space. And it might be an easy entry. You might consider dragging out a cooler with Pepsis and Cokes and waters to your the end of your driveway and sitting in lawn chairs and talking to people as they walk by. If you have a super, um, like us, you know, obviously there's a lot of foot traffic and bicycles in our neighborhood. Um, and so that works well for us. It might look different in your neighborhood. It might be um, the next time you see your neighbor, you say, because it's getting warmer. So you say, hey, let's let's have a barbecue um, next week. You know, like we can be outside. We can be distanced. We don't have to be locked in a house. I think those are good things. I think um, it might be, you know, grabbing an cu extra cup of coffee on your way into work in the morning and finding somebody that you don't really know and saying, hey, I got you coffee this morning. How are you doing? You know, like it can be really simple, but it needs to be intentional. Mm -hmm. That's really the thing is to move into an intentional space of hospitality where you really think about what you're doing. Um, that's the rhythm that I would say we need to um, put into our lives. And it might look different for each of us, but like the intentional piece is super important because that's going to be what carries you on to the next and the next and the next. That is uh, a great kind of conclusion for our conversation on radical, not radical. This is what uh, we're referring to radical hospitality. Cause let's be honest, yeah. like for some of us, 
we just don't understand it. So we have to go that next step. So it's a, it's a radical hospitality. I know that's our friend and mentor, Matt Leroy uses that language of radical hospitality, which yeah. I think is so good. Um, I'm going to close with another Rosaria Butterfield quote, cause it's just so good. She says, uh, radically ordinary and daily hospitality is the basic building block for vital Christian living. Start anywhere, but do start. So that's our charge, friends, those of you who are listening, to begin to practice and implement strategically hospitality as a rhythm of your life with um, your neighbors that you may not even know that live beside of you or those you work with or um, the marginalized in your city or our city. Um, but we must begin to practice hospitality, creating space to love and care for and become friends with strangers around us. Um, my prayer for you is you continue on the way of Jesus and are shaped and formed by the reality of his kingdom and that you would be salt and light where you live, work, and play. Grace and peace to you. Have a great one.